Happy Fuse Day, everybody, every campus. I just want to celebrate that spring is here. It is warm outside. Praise God. Hey, if you don't know, we are a family that is spread across the state of South Carolina. I love getting to see the extended family. Uh, last week I was in Florence. What's up, Florence? I love y'all. Um, a few weeks ago, let's see, where was that? Rock Hill. I was with our Rock Hill family. Uh, a few weeks before that, I was in Myrtle Beach. Hey, Myrtle Beach. But tonight, I want to celebrate, because when something good happens for the family, the whole family celebrates, right? Now, tonight, the Hilton Head family is in their new facility for the first time. So every campus, Hilton Head, we love you. We are for you. Hey, I believe anytime there is movement from God, it's because he prepares to do a new thing. So Hilton Head, a little challenge for you. Fill that place with your friends and see if God doesn't show up. Come on. Okay, now, speaking of beaches, because Hilton Head is at the beach, uh, I'm wearing this little shirt. Does anybody know what this is? Uh, Golly. Okay, okay, okay. Listen, listen, listen. Are you listening? Okay. Somebody said, kind of. Okay. I know you've heard this before, but literally I was in a meeting this morning for over an hour for us planning the gauntlet, and when I say we're doing things we have never done before, I'm, tell- I'm not lying. I'm not a liar. We're doing things that makes me nervous to try to do in the time frame that we're going to try to do it. But what you need to know is we are seeking God to produce the best gauntlet that has ever existed. So, And, hey, just so you know, we are trending ahead in signups where we were last year. So if you're sitting there like, especially, hey, let's just go ahead and say it like it is, 10th grade and above. You've been coming since the 6th grade. You're like, gauntlet, same old, same old. That's not what you were saying on the last night last year when you were bawling your eyes out because the presence of God was there, okay? God is still going to be there. He's going to show up. It is going to be incredible. Sign up, sign up, sign up. Everybody say, sign up. Okay, I can't wait to, to just sweat to death in Daytona Beach. Um, speaking of heat and sweating to death, welcome to the Wilderness Series. <laughs> See that transition? Hey, um, I have loved this series. Caleb White last week, Boy, I heard in Myrtle Beach, y'all were like, he's calling everybody out. Hey, if you felt called out, that was actually God calling you up to a better life. So if you felt some conviction, praise God, because that was the Holy Spirit calling you up to a better life. But I have loved this wilderness series as we've been following the Israelites through the Exodus story, them getting freed from Egypt to walk into the wilderness. And the first week we talked about why wilderness, right? Because there were some things in them, things in us that need to die because the wilderness is known for killing things so that the actual us could come to life, the, the us that God created us to be. And then last week, like I said, Caleb did an incredible job of showing one way that God did that was through his provision. So I just want to recap the past two weeks. We've said it, write it down again because it is good. And this is kind of the theme for the series. Salvation sets us free. The wilderness teaches us how to live free. Somebody say amen. Amen. That is so good. Salvation sets us free. The wilderness shows us how to live free. Now I'm going to go ahead and tell you I am so excited about tonight because we are talking about my absolute favorite thing in the universe. We're talking about how God taught the Israelites freedom and wants to teach us freedom by his very presence. Last week it was provision. This week we're, we're teaching how God wants to teach us freedom through his very 
presence. And we see this by even the way that Moses goes to Pharaoh to say, hey, yo, let my people go. It's not exactly how it's said. But in Exodus 5.1, this is how Moses goes to Pharaoh to declare that it's time for God's people to be let go. Y'all look at this. Afterward, this is Moses and Aaron had approached the people of Israel first. Afterward, Moses and Aaron went and said to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. Anybody like to eat? Of course. We all love to eat. We went to Sonic before this, so I didn't eat it because... Metabolism slows down the older you get, but my fuse group did. But God literally says, hey, let my people go because I would like to eat with them. I just want to be with my people. Multiple other times when Moses goes to Pharaoh, he says, hey, God says, let my people go so that they may worship me in the wilderness. So here's what I want you to hear tonight, Fuse. God has an ultimate plan. Listen, God has an ultimate plan of freedom for you and for me. And God from the start is showing that freedom cannot exist apart from his presence. So here's like kind of the main line for tonight. Freedom is not just absence of Egypt. Freedom is the presence of God. Freedom is not just absence, the absence of Egypt. Freedom is the presence of God. It's not just quitting a behavior. Because how many of us have no? We tried to quit that behavior. It did not work. I'm the only sinful person. Okay, thank you. Thank you in the back. I see that hand. Thank you. God doesn't want to just get you to stop doing a behavior. He wants to teach you how to live in his presence. And we cannot learn freedom apart from his presence. His presence. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So if we want to learn freedom, we have to learn how to live in the spirit of the Lord. And listen, the Israelites like us were not unfamiliar with gods. Egypt had hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of gods. They had to learn that true freedom comes from worshiping the true God, just one, one and only. And so God did this multiple ways. Um, I want you to picture this, okay, in your imagination. They're walking through the wilderness, all right? They don't have iPhone, um, what's the word, flashlight? Just blanked. What's a flashlight? Uh, they don't have iPhone flashlights at night. And they don't have any, they don't have GPS. They don't have Siri or Google Maps by day. So by day, God would lead them by a pillar of cloud and say, hey, follow my presence. And by night, he would lead them by a pillar of fire. Imagine you're going home tonight and mom gets lost. Because I'm just going to say, usually it's women getting lost. Don't get all feminine on me, I'm just saying. I can say that because I'm a woman. Uh, I'm not great at directions. And a pillar of fire, wham, in front of your car, and God's like, follow me, okay, to take you home. This is what actually happened. So God, even in that instance, listen, this is good, was even showing them in the pillar of smoke and in the pillar of fire, hey, freedom is found not by me becoming a part of your life, but by you following me. I want to read it this way because even when I wrote it, it was good, and I can say that because it's all God's. Listen, when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, Many of us have done that. When we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it is not him receiving an invitation to come into our lives. It is us saying yes to the invitation to come into his. I'm going to say that again in case you missed it. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not trying to confuse you tonight. This is the most basic gospel truth. When you and I receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, 
He did not receive an invitation from us to come into our lives. We received an invitation to come into his. That is the gospel. When we received Jesus, our old self died and we picked up his life, a full life, the free life. And many of us need to learn this because we don't know the way to freedom because we've never been there. So, so much of our walk is found in just, hey, I'm going to put God first. I'm going to receive his invitation to be a part of his life. It's no longer my way. It's his, lo- his way. I'm following him. Am I preaching to anybody in Infused tonight? Because this is good, good truth. So this is one of the first ways, the pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire. But one of the main ways I want to show you tonight is that God spends chapters on chapters on chapters in Exodus explaining this certain way I'm going to unpack tonight of how to experience God's presence. Because how many of you here like, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. We got to learn to live in his presence if we want to be free and get in his presence. And many of us are like, what does it look like to get in the presence of God? Anybody? Anybody have that question before? Yeah, I like to get in the presence. How do you do that? What's it feel like when Jesus walks in? What does the presence of God look like? And so God spends chapters on chapters explaining that for us. But I want to read a couple here in Exodus 25, 1 through 9. He did it in this thing called the tabernacle. Everybody say tabernacle. Say it one more time, tabernacle. Thank you. Okay, Exodus 25, 1 through 9. This is what the Lord says to Moses. So the Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel that they take from me a contribution. From every man whose heart moves him, you shall receive the contribution from me. And this is the contribution that you shall receive from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue and purple and scarlet yarns, fine twined linen, goat's hair, okay, tanned ram skins, goat skins, acacia wood. Anybody whittled any acacia wood lately? Really? That's amazing. Okay. Acacia wood, oil for the lamps. I played soccer before this, so you could probably take it from my head right now. Spices for the anointing oil and for the fragrant incense. Onyx stones, stones for the setting, for the ephod, for the breastpiece. Look at this. Let your eyes linger on this verse, please. Let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Pause there. God says, make a sanctuary because I want to dwell in your midst. In verse 9, exactly as I show you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all of its furniture, so shall you make it. Can we go back to verse 8 really quick? Two things I want to point out, and then we're going to get into the bulk of the teaching. Number one, everybody at every campus looking up at me. I want everyone, everyone to hear this because this is the heart of God. If you have ever wondered, what does God want? He wants to be with you. Israel is saying, why did you set us free? Because I want to live with you. I'd like to make my home with you. I'd like for us to learn this life together. His desire is to be close. It has always been about you and him, him and you, relationship, intimacy, friendship, family. If you've ever wondered, what is this all about? God himself wanting to live with you all day, every day. He is not an introvert. He doesn't want to hide himself. He does not need alone time. Access open all the time. God wants to dwell in your midst. This is good. If this is boring, then I am begging God to show you the reality of his presence tonight because it is the best place to live. 
Number one, God wants to live with you. Can we go to verse nine? Because I want um, everybody to linger on this verse as well. Exactly as I show you. So he doesn't just say, I want to live with you, figure it out. God says, I'm going to show you exactly how I want to dwell in your midst. So here's the second thing I want every campus to hear. God does not want, it, want to make it hard for you to find him. He lays out exact instructions to the Israelites and I believe to us tonight that he desires to show you that he does not want to hide. He's not playing hide and seek. He doesn't want to create magic tricks for you to try to figure out the loops to get through. He lays it out exactly. So if you've ever wondered, how do I get in God's presence? I'm about to show you. And this is going to be, for some of you, absolutely life-changing because it's been life-changing for me. I talked to a volunteer before this, and he said, I heard this six months ago, and it's changed my life. If you could get this at 12, 13, 15, 16, 17, 18, and if you're a fifth-year senior, 19, then this could be amazing. So tonight, I'm going to take you on what's called a tabernacle tour. Tabernacle tour. That is, try to say that five times fast. Tabernacle tour, tabernacle tour. I can't do it. Tabernacle. <laughs> 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 I'm going to take you on a tabernacle tour. It's easier to say in a British accent. So a tabernacle tour. Okay. First, I just want to give you the layout, all right? If you're going to tour a house, you got to give the layout. I feel like I'm like one of those old MTV shows where it's like, anyways. Okay. So this is the tabernacle as if you were like in a helicopter looking down. Okay. So I'm just going to do a quick overview and they're going to walk by step by step. First, you have the gate. Makes sense. Got to have a door to get in most places. Then you get to this place called the brazen altar. Everybody say brazen altar. Brazen. Beautiful. Everybody say laver. laver. I'll tell you what it is. But that was so southern. Laver. All right. As they entered, this would be the outer courts. They would enter this place called the holy place. Say holy place. Then they would go to the candlestick. Yeah, you don't have to say that because it's we say that most of the time. Uh, this would be the table of shoe bread. Everybody say shoe bread. It's not like bread that you keep in shoe. That was a stupid, stupid joke. Dad joke as a mom. Okay, this is the altar of incense. Everybody say incense. This is the holy of holies. Everybody say holy of holies. And this right here, listen, this was the Ark of the Covenant where God himself said, I will sit there. Imagine if you walked in the fuse, we had this big box, and God himself was seated there. <laughs> I'd love it, actually. I'd probably be terrified. But this is our goal. So just so you know, this is where in the Old Testament the presence of God was housed. That's our destination tonight. If you're ready to go on the tour, say yes. Okay. So let's start with the gate, the door. Okay. Psalm 100 says this. Come into his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. Come into the gate with thanksgiving into his court with praise. I'm going to make this short. You know why many of us come into fuse and leave feeling like we didn't get anything? Because you came into fuse, but you never even tried to enter the presence because not one thank you came out of your lips. And I'm saying this because I've done it at church. For the first two years I came to New Spring, I'd stand in the, in the aisle I'd lean on the chair in front of me like this. And this is how I'd sing. You sweep the sea so I could walk right through it. My fears were drowning perfect. Does that guy look weird to you? Like, and the reason you keep coming to fuse and you're like, God's not talking to me. 
Say thank you once. Come and say, God, thank you that I'm at Fuse tonight. Try that tonight and see if something doesn't change because the very entry into the presence of God, the access code to heaven is thank you, God. Thank you. I praise you tonight. You're so good. Thank you, Jesus. Can we just say that together tonight? And we're already in the first step into his presence together. On the count of three, we're just going to say thank you, God. Ready? One, two, three. Thank you, God. Whoo. It just feels good to say because now we're one step closer into the presence. So first, we got to go into the gates. Congratulations. We're all in the outer courts. Next, we got to this thing called, anybody remember what it is? Brazen altar. All right. This is what it would look like. Everything was also put on poles so they could carry it around the wilderness, by the way. But here's what I want you to picture. The first thing, use your imagination, the first thing that would happen when you walk into the outer courts is you see blood and dying animals. Blood and dying animals. There were literally, I want to go back really quick, around this whole area, tables where people were just sacrificing cattle and goats and all these things to put on the altar to sacrifice. Why? Well, because the Bible is very clear that without sacrifice, there is no forgiveness of sins. So day after day after day, you and your family would have to come in order to get into the presence of God. You'd have to sacrifice old family cow Bessie. I don't know why always in my messages I have the dying cattle, but here we are. I want you to imagine the smell of blood in the air. What does this mean for us? The first thing that we have to recognize, acknowledge, say thank you for is for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Over and over and over again, access to God is made through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Thousands of years ago, God was pointing the way. If you want to get close, you got to know that Jesus sacrificed himself. And here's what's dangerous in our culture We have oxy-cleaned a a slaughter scene. Don't you sanitize the gospel by getting used to Jesus' sacrifice for us. Back ripped apart, beaten and bruised, spit on. Splinters from a heavy cross digging into his shoulders. Some of us, think about the last time you had a skint knee and how much it burned. Imagine your entire body feeling that way. Listen. It hurts me to think, please put your phones down. It hurts me to think that we can blame God for not getting close to us when Jesus put everything on the altar for you and me. Do you hear me? He put everything on the altar for you and me. Every drop of blood in his body pointed at from thousands of years ago so you can know God, so you can dwell in his midst. Do not sanitize yourself from the truth of the gospel scene. It is bloody and it is messy and it is beautiful and it is all the grace we need. Jesus poured it out. We got to recognize this. We got to see Jesus for who he is and say, thank you, Jesus, for your sacrifice that you've made a way for me to get in. I could spend the rest of the message here, but we got to keep going. So this is where they would sacrifice. But for us, we got to remember Jesus on our way to the presence of God. Keep going. Anybody next? Remember? Laver. Yeah, laver. It's not a goblet. Okay, I want you to imagine like a big wash basin. 
And what is so awesome about this is after they would sacrifice, think about this is not like an impersonal thing you're doing. Like they're not in a steakhouse like cutting steak, slaughtering animals. They're going to have blood on them. So they got to wash off. Make sense? For us, this symbolizes, and here's what I want every one of you to hear. You have been also made clean, washed, purified by God. The only way we can come in is if we've been purified by God, and this is what this symbolizes. I also love, um, in the bottom of this, it said that there were mirrors. Some of y'all love to look in the mirror. What I'm telling you is, when Jesus has washed and cleansed you, look in the mirror all you want, because I've been praying this week that you would see yourself as God sees you. That it would be, as we worship later, that it's going to be as if you were looking in the very eyeball of God himself, and all you see is your reflection how he sees you in his eyes. You are fully loved, fully purified, fully clean. Caleb said last week that this is a season of purity for our students and our leaders. You need to know that thing does not identify you anymore. You've been made pure and clean. You come in. You come into the presence of God. You come close tonight because you've been made clean in Jesus' name. Amen? This is what the laver represents, but we got to keep going on our tour. So after the laver, we go to, anybody remember? Holy places, right? The first step in the holy place. Candlestick. Ta-da. It's Hanukkah. Close. As you walk into the holy place, what do you think? There was no windows. You ever been in an enclosed room where it's completely dark? A terrifying, okay? Anybody still scared of the dark? Yes, me too, okay? This, I don't want to lose you because now you're all talking about how scared of the dark you are, Okay. This would have been the main source of light in the tabernacle. It would have been one of the first places they go to. And this represents the Holy Spirit of God. You can put that down. This represents the Holy Spirit, our light, our guide, our best friend. Jesus says this um, in John. i got to get to the, the candlestick. There it is, the lampstand. In John 14, 26, Jesus says this, But the Helper... The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Everybody say all things. Everybody say all things. Say it one more time, all things. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Do you know that God doesn't want you to stay confused about who he is and in the dark? The moment you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you receive his spirit to be taught all things in lo- pertaining to life and godliness. Tonight, some of you just need to ask, Holy Spirit, I need you. God doesn't leave us in the dark. Salvation is not just something we start and then we got to figure it out the rest of the way. God sent his very spirit to guide us to be our light, our helper, our best friend. This is what the candlestick represents. But this isn't it in the holy place. we got to keep going over here to the table of shoe bread. All right. Here's the table of shoe bread. Every day there'd be new bread brought into the holy place. And I'm not going to go into everything they had to do, but here's what you need to hear. The table of shoe bread, what this represents is the word of God, the Bible. Oh, no, here she goes again talking about we need to read the Bible. Yes. I wish this, it's so hard to read the Bible. Can I just, can I just say something? It's not. That's why the, that's why the lampstand is first. Because you're not supposed to read it by yourself. You're supposed to ask the Holy Spirit for help. And I'm telling you, many of us, hey, hey, many of us, we say we don't have time to read the Bible, but it's really because you're too busy eating everything else. 
We say we don't want to read the Bible because we don't have time, but we are filling ourselves with scraps that the world wants to offer us. So by the time we come to the Bible, we say, that's not relevant to me. We've been feasting on the lies of the world all day long and then try to come to the Bible. Start with the word. Give it five minutes. Five minutes. Start with John 3.16. Read it every day. Read it every day for five minutes. For God so loved the world that he gave us a... No. For God so loved the world, me, that he gave his only son, Jesus, that in him I could have forgiveness. Come and feast on the word. If you need help and you're like, I still don't even understand how to hear from the Holy Spirit, guess how else you can help? We have leaders who'd love to show you how to feast on the word of God because man cannot live on bread alone, but guess how you can live? On every word that comes from the mouth of God. Feast on the Bible. I know you middle schoolers stay hungry. Come ready to eat because the shoe bread is always there in the word of God. Can I get an amen from anybody who loves the Bible? The Bible is good. It is good. Okay, got to keep going. Next is, you might remember what this is? Altar of incense. All right, nobody remember. That's okay. That's why we're going on a tour. Altar of incense. This is going to be great. This represented to the people. Actually, everybody just do this. <sighs> some of y'all, you got some allergies. <laughs> okay. <laughs> also, smells like middle schooler in here. Can I get an amen? All right. I meant good, Axe Body Spray. Okay. I want you to think about when you would walk into the holy place, there was a distinct aroma different from the blood sacrifice that you just left. Incense burned day and night, and it smelled good. It's like Bath and Body Works up in there. Here's what this signifies for you and me. Worship and prayer. The altar of incense represents worship and prayer. God says in Revelation that there's even elders surrounding the throne holding bowls of incense that represent people's prayer and worship. How many of us know, though, uh, that sometimes it's like, I don't know how to pray. I've thought that before. I don't know how to pray. But here's what I want you to think now. Every, now, every time you even try to pray, here's God's thoughts on it. When we pray this incense, it's like going up to heaven. And every time that you utter a word to God, it's like this. <sighs> I love that. That's what God says about you when you pray. <sighs> I love that. So here's what I'd love to do for 20 seconds. We're all going to pray in quiet at one time. I don't pray. Let me give you a, one of the most powerful prayers you can ever pray. God, help. God, I need you. God, I don't understand. And as we pray, I think God's going to go, I love that. So for 20 seconds, everybody can just close your eyes. Everyone participating. Please get your eyes off your phone. I want you to experience the presence of God tonight. Get your eyes off your neighbor. Can we just for 20 seconds pray? In Jesus' name, amen. Let me tell you what just happened in this room. The aroma of heaven. 
the aroma of heaven. When you sing later, it's the aroma of heaven. God loves the sound of your voice, yours. Don't be afraid to pray and to worship. But guess what the next step is? We're going in. We're going into the most holy place where the Ark of the Covenant would have been. And after you've come into the gates with thanksgiving and after you've come through the courts with praise and after you've seen the sacrifice and after you've been cleansed and after you've been filled with the Holy Spirit and seen the shoe bread and offered up prayers, we get to go into the presence of God and then it is only, wow! Awake now. You need to understand this custom, trying to get in the holy place, guess how many people could do it once a year? One. One priest once a year could go in to make petition for the people because it was serious, because the presence of God is overwhelming, because when you get into his holiness, something inside of you shakes and shifts. They even had to tie a rope to a priest's foot in case he went in, not cleansed, and dropped dead in the presence of God. This is how serious the presence is. But here's the good news that I can't wait to share right now that what does this mean for us? What is the holy place? Do I really have to like go through this whole process every time I want to get into the presence of God? No, because we have the good news of Jesus on our side thousands of years later. So I want to read this for us and please, 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 I'm begging God to give you a fresh eyes to see this tonight. So don't write this down. Don't just look at the screen with me. And I want you to picture Jesus Christ. We're going to read the last moment of his life. God was not content. Listen, this was close enough, but close enough is not good enough for our God. He wanted complete intimacy, close proximity. So let's read this together. The last moment of Jesus' life, who came so that we don't have to have any separation at all. In Mark 15, it says this. Look at this, y'all. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama shabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing said, behold, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine. They put it on a reed and they, they gave it to him to drink saying, wait, 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 let us see whether Elijah will come to save him and take him down or not. But Jesus... He uttered a loud cry and breathed his last, and the curtain of the temple or the tabernacle was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. With the last breath of Jesus, we have the last section of our separation completely destroyed. So here's what I want you to see at the end of this. Notice, veil, okay, that's what this line represents. After Jesus, no veil. No veil. So the presence that used to be housed just in this space now spills into every area of our lives. So here's our mantra for fuse for the rest of our lives. And I have been begging God that this would go so deep into your heart that it would be, if you have been asleep at the will of Christianity, that this would be like an alarm clock to the face to wake up and know that this is our mantra together, fuse. I am free because God is with me. Period. Period. Say this with, repeat after me. I am free, I am free. 
because God is with me. One more time. I am free because God is with me. Any and every place you go can now become the holy of holies, the holiest place you've ever been. When you go home tonight and that same temptation hits, you say out loud in the face of the enemy, in the face of your flesh, no, I am free because God is with me. When you go to school next week and you're in the locker room and boys are saying stupid things about girls, you better speak over yourself. I don't have to participate. I am free because God is with me. This is now the holy of holies. Let's get real for a second. When you go on spring break in a few weeks and you know that people are trying to draw you out of the goodness and the fullness of God to do something that you know is going to lead to regret, you say of yourself in boldness and in faith, I am free because God is with me. I don't have to go do that. When anxiety hits and you're having a panic attack, or your feelings are getting too much, it can be 10 minutes first. I'm free because God is with me. I'm free because God is with me. God has never left you. If you've received Jesus, God has never left you. He will never forsake you. You are free in Jesus' name because God is with you. Is this good news to anybody in the house tonight? You are free because God is with you. In school this week, Proclaim this over yourself. Pray this over yourself. You are free because God is with you. So here's what I'd love to do to end tonight. I don't have an invitation like, hey, if you need to get saved, hey, if you need to confess sin or whatever, because here's what I'm believing. We have taught about the presence of God for 30 minutes. And a promise from scripture is God says, I will draw near to those who draw near to me. And so I'm just going to invite you in these next songs. Don't go into autopilot. Pray, God, I want to experience you. I want to know you. When you get home this week, God, I want to experience you. I want to know you. So can we do this together with as little noise as possible? Can we stand together at every campus? Every campus, let's stand together. And we've ended this way the past two weeks, but I think it's important. Can you just put your hands out in front of you? And we're going to ask God in these next worship songs to come and minister to us, to speak to us, that every Fuse Auditorium would now be the Holy of Holies because of Jesus Christ. So, Father, see our hands open now. We want to experience you. We want to know you. We want to breathe you in. We want our worship and our prayers and our requests right now to be like the aroma of heaven. God, I pray for a young girl, maybe even Charleston right now, who's been struggling with the same temptation over and over and over again, that right now she would feel the presence of God minister to her and say, that's not who you are anymore. I see you pure. I see you clean. You are free because I am with you. I pray for a young man right now who's been living in, living in generational sin who feels like he can't get out from under it, God, I pray right now that he would, he would hear your voice for the first time, your identity, your presence close to him. I pray for someone who is hurting, who is in pain. God, would you even heal in this next time? Because where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, and we can have access to the spirit at any time, at any place, for whatever reason. So God, we beg for your presence to be among us now as we sing and as we seek you. Thank you, Jesus, that you made a way, that you made a way for us to be close to you. It's in your name. Amen.